Oh, it's time to start the podcast. Oh, sorry. We are here. It's the digital side hug. I've got Todd Lloyd with me. Hello. Todd. Hello, I'm baby. so excited that Todd is here. I'm making preemptive physical contact with which, Todd. I, 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 I love. We're going to save hugs for later, but um, oh, great. I may tap you on the shoulder. I love Todd Lloyd. Todd, you're one of my favorites, man. Thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for Todd having me. Todd is a youth minister, uh, been in youth ministry 19 years at two different churches. Correct. Crittenden Drive in Kentucky and Murray Hills Church of Christ in uh, Murray County. Murray County. Columbia. Yeah, Columbia. And uh, Todd, thank you for joining us today. Um, quickly, tell, tell, tell us your wife, uh, your wife's name, your kids' names. We're going to talk about them a little bit, maybe. Amanda, Brock, Battle, <laughs> Brewer. And Brock, Battle, Brewer oh, are the sons. Right. Amanda is your wife. wife. Um, hey, boys. Hey, Amanda. They, they will never listen to this. I, we... <laughs> I love your family. I love your kiddos. And even though they don't love me back quite to the le- level that I love them, I think maybe someday we can turn that around. I think they like you. Um, well, so Todd, there are many, many, many reasons why I would want to talk with you on this podcast. You are, in addition to having been a youth minister for 19 years, you're a former president of the National Conference on Youth Ministries, which is which is the conference that we just had a month ago um, down in Florida. You are now, now you've kind of rolled off the board, but you're still working with them? What's, what's going kind on there? Kind of a consultant thing, just giving them feedback. And so so you're, you're, not, you're no longer a member of the board, correct. But, but they're sort of uh, keeping you on to say, hey, you know, when we got a question or whatever. Correct. Uh, the NCYM board rotates around, so that yes. explains. Um, also an author of a young adult uh, suspense fiction novel. Correct. Is that what I, did I characterize it correctly? Right. Entitled The Dark Ride. Yeah, Dark Ride. Just Dark Ride. Okay, Dark Ride, which is, uh-huh. I, I loved it, as you know. Um, you are the host of a podcast yourself called WDW for Families. Right, WDW Space for Fam, Space for, wait, WDW Space for Space Families. And, and is the four a number four? It is a number. It is a digit. Okay, and what does it stand for, and what, what's the podcast about? Well, it's just about families who are taking their first or just starting to explore Disney World as a family. That's an interest, a hobby of, of mine, and we parlayed that into a podcast, and we've had good good success with it. WDW for families. Correct. And I've listened to a few of them. It's really, really Interesting, even if you're not going to Disney World, which I did back in December, and it was awesome to kind of listen to some things to help me as I uh, got ready to take my family to Disney World. So that's awesome. Uh, you are also the author of some of the coolest lists ever, and actually that's going to be the subject of our of our Get to Know Me here. Okay. Is that okay? I'm going to start the music. Fine with me. And Todd, yes. you wrote a book entitled, and it's not been published yet, I don't think, the, the 100 Greatest Christmas Songs of All Time. Correct. I loved it. I literally, I think you revealed it to me in installments maybe, and I could not wait for the next one to come out. So tell us um, real quickly, what's the number one song? Uh, well, on the it's list. It's kind of ruining. Okay, so, so it's, but you haven't published the book, so there's no, no way they can access it. White Christmas is number one. All right, White Christmas, and, and some of you could have guessed that maybe you were at home or in your car uh, saying it's going to be White Christmas, and maybe that's obvious, maybe not. Tell us real quick though, your favorite Christmas hymn and your favorite Christmas carol. Uh, hymn would be Oh Holy Night, of course. First song ever played on the radio. And uh, 
Probably Sleigh Ride as far as Carol goes. Okay. I like Sleigh Ride. I love Sleigh Ride too. Uh, is there a version of one of those, like like a certain recording uh, by a certain artist that you like best? I like Christmas Time in Hollis Queens by Run DMC. Oh, oh, okay. So you're Why going to yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> classic that's a Christmas classic. On the very special Christmas album, which is a great Christmas album. That's also the Christmas album where uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen sure. played just and, the classic. Right, Santa Claus Coming Town. Right, U two is on that. Uh-huh. There's, there's a lot of big Christmas songs on that album. Yeah, that was a good one. Yep. Uh, okay, so let me go. There's another book of lists that you you sent to me in installments. I I, yeah. I have to be honest. I wasn't quite as drawn into this one <laughs> as I was Christmas songs. The name the name of it was the top 300 wrestlers of all time. No, of the uh, 1970s to the modern era. It's called the territorial era in the modern era. Yes, of pro wrestling. Correct. And are you the biggest? Pro wrestling buff that you know because you definitely are the biggest that I know. <laughs> Not that I know, but you know other people that are a bigger or more into pro oh, yeah. wrestling. Yeah, quite a bit. And I, it's important for you to be able to say that, isn't yes, it? Yes, <laughs> it's also slightly embarrassing. <laughs> well, I love it. I grew up in Memphis. Billy Superstar Dundee was my favorite wrestler, as I know that you know that. Uh, who? Give, give me, give me your favorite wrestler. Uh, what is the? Who are the top three, and why did you put them there? Oh, okay. My Your favorite, favorite wrestler. My favorite is Jerry the King Lawler, obviously. Just growing up, my grandfather calling and making me come watch wrestling with him as a kid. And you grew up in Nashville. Nashville. But Did you, you drive to Memphis to see him no, wrestle? No, no. Because I saw, I, saw I saw Jerry Lawler wrestle. That's a long story. But they were on both Memphis and Nashville and Chattanooga. and Huntsville. They were on multiple TV. So stations. did you also feel like Jerry Lawler belonged to Nashville? Or did you know that he belonged to Memphis? He, both. Okay, so... so as a fan of wrestling. I knew that on Monday nights they wrestled in Memphis. On Saturday nights they wrestled in Nashville. Tuesday nights they wrestled in Louisville. They all had See, their own. And, and those of us in Memphis, we never knew that. Yeah. I, mean, I, I never knew that. I just thought Memphis was the deal. But Sergeant Slaughter was my other favorite. Okay. Well, are either of those in the top three of all time? No. no. Lawler would be. Lawler's, I mean, top 20. Okay. In that, or top 10 in that time frame. It's Flair, Hogan, Austin. Rick Flair, Rick Flair, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, Hogan, Stone Steve Cold, Steve Austin. Yeah, those right. are the three biggest. Easy. Well, cool. That's I know, what's it? So the next book of list you write will be video games, probably console cabinet types, the kind oh, that we yeah. used to grow up with. Yeah, yeah. Defender, my favorite of all time, Galaga. Yeah, started looking into that. So, quite a bit. so I know you do a ton of research right. before you put these together. So reading reading these lists is so fun because you learn so much about each person and or each song. Or you did one about Christmas movies. Can you tip your hand? What's the, I mean, obviously, is I, mean, it, I, mean, is I haven't Pac-Man? done is a it, lot of research. Miss Pac-Man? You'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger one than Pac-Man. Okay. Space Invaders may be the the challenger. Okay. But that those two, probably light years above the others, I would say. Well, I would hope that Joust is somewhere on the list. Joust would be there somewhere, for sure. <laughs> if, if we went down to top 50, Joust is oh, a dead we ringer. We could do this for so long. All right, let's move on. Okay. Now we haven't mentioned yet that you're a that you're a Hollywood star. You're a big Hollywood there's deal. A, there's a reason for that because it's not. You were accurate. in a movie. <laughs> yes. And tell us which movie. Ernest goes to camp. And you played Chip Osgood that's, in Ernest Goes to Camp. That's correct. Uh, which I think is awesome. And you had several lines. And my family owns the movie, so we've watched you and and giggled. Not at you. <laughs> I would it was, giggled with it was you. Really weird. It was a great. It was a great. I've got great in air quotes movie. Um, sure. So 
I'm, I'm, the button question is designed with your role in that in mind. So here's the question. If it, there's a button in front of you, if you press it, Jimmy Fallon brings the cast of characters onto his show and makes a really big deal about it and proposes to Hollywood Big Shots that a, that a Ernest Goes to Camp 2 is filmed with all of you in it with himself as Ernest, <laughs> all right? Okay. So he pitches this idea. Okay. But you've got to gain 100 pounds because obviously your weight has not stayed, you know, in proportion to the, the proportion of Chip Osgood with the rest of his friends. He, you, you, you played a, you know, slightly larger individual on the show, so you'd have to gain 100 pounds. <laughs> okay. If you don't press the button... No one ever mentions Ernest Goes to Camp or your involvement in it ever again. Okay. And no, so no royal, it, royalty checks. Okay. No royalty checks. No autographs. <laughs> no jokes at your expense. <laughs> so well, this is supposed so you, to be a hard question, yeah, right? Yes. Well, yes. You press okay. the button or I no? do not press the button. So you let it go. Yes. So you you would you would just choose to become a, a just like the rest of us that weren't in David, movies. David, I never tried out for another movie after our skills camp. Okay. Well, so you yeah. let it go. All right. So that's fine. I want to ask you two Morris Gregwire questions. All right. The first one is the official one, and then the second one is, I think, maybe going to be a conversation starter for us. So I this well, you go to Facebook and okay. and then type in "asking can be fun." And you will find a great page by Dr. Morris Gregoire. He's got pictures there and questions. And they all get conversations started, which, as you know, in youth ministry can be so valuable. And even though some of these questions wouldn't necessarily show up on a Sunday morning in class or Wednesday <laughs> night at youth group, they're fine. It's really fun. Uh, so, case in point, question number 400, who is your favorite vampire? <laughs> uh Dr. Morris Gregoire asks. Uh, at, off the top of my head, I would say uh, Count Chocula. Okay. Yeah. Well, what were the other contenders? Well, I'm assuming a number of times that I've heard you, you know, uh, sort of make fun of, of Twilight. Yeah, they would not be a contender. Lestat would not be a contender. Maybe Nosferatu would have a shot at that. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, maybe uh, even uh, uh, Rob Lowe in the remake of Salem's Lot. <laughs> <laughs> Although... I think it's odd that that came up in this podcast. Well, you never know what's going to happen on the digital side of <laughs> So thank you for that. So you, you said Count Chocula. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even Count- though I preferred Booberry okay, yeah. as far as monster cereals went. I am, am the, the fruity guy. Fruit brute. Too. You like fruit brutes? Yeah, so I wasn't, I'm not a big chocolatey cereal person. But the, the next Dr. Morris Gregoire question is custom designed for you. And this is one that I can't really ask anyone. On this podcast, because you you can't give an honest question to this over the air, but it's question number 342, and it says, which friends were trying too hard when they named their baby? (laughs) So you can't answer it legitimately, but I know you know why I'm asking it. (laughs) Yeah, because people think it's us. (laughs) Right, because you actually might possibly have been the answer to this question for somebody else because you you named one of your sons Battle. That's correct. Right? You, you started with Brock, normal yeah, enough. Somewhat, you know. yeah. And then Battle, th- 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 walk us through that. <laughs> well, what what was the... What? There's nothing really fantastical about it. It was just... Had heard, you just seen Braveheart? I mean, were <laughs> no. you hoping, was this, I hope no. someday he leads we, the charge? There was a guy at our church growing up named Battle. 
And that's it. It's not as an exciting story as everybody thinks it's going to be. Well, I, I think it's fabulous, and I love it. And I actually, yeah. my wife can tell you, you know, I advocated for naming our firstborn, which she's a girl. I, I wanted to name her Camera. That's weird, David. I, well, I know, but <laughs> I always maintain. <laughs> Shut up. I always maintain that a name, you know, once it's attached to a person. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Battle becomes, is one of the most well-known people in our, you know, in our town because people, there's a kid named Battle, yeah. you know, and he was really big in Logan County. In Russellville, you should have seen the looks we got from people. When, well, you've got beautiful boys and well, uh, a beautiful family. And I'm, and we're going to talk a little bit more about your third uh, in just a little bit. But, um, Todd, I, I want to start with this. You were in youth ministry how many years in Crittenden uh, Drive at, at Logan County? Uh, just about 12. And how big was the church there? We, ha- we were solidly 300 to 350. Pretty uh, much the whole time. The, the whole time I was there. So... Uh, and I guess for this, you know, in churches of Christ, that's about average, maybe even a little above average, you know, nationwide if you take all yeah. churches. But churches with youth ministries, right? Fairly small, not, very small. Uh, and and those of us that you know, I sort of met you in the late '90s and started to realize that you could go to any church you wanted to go to. You probably had gotten in 12 years lots of offers to to move to to a bigger place. And you stayed for 12 years at a, at a smaller congregation. And, and I know this congregation couldn't pay you what a larger church could have in Middle Tennessee or Alabama or Texas or Georgia or anywhere right. else. So I honestly, you know, I don't know who's listening to this podcast, but there's, there's probably youth ministers out there or, or even volunteers at a smaller church that, that who I, I want them to hear you talk about why you stayed there for 12 years and what— what that was like to to know that you could move and maybe even to wonder if God was calling as you got a phone yeah. call, but you stayed. Why'd you do that? Well, I, the main reason, I mean, there was good reasons and there were selfish reasons. And the selfish reasons were I, I got really comfortable there. Knew everybody in town. I mean, celebrity is not something I've ever pursued, but it was something I had there because I had been the youth minister at the largest church in Russellville, for so long, and I, I could get into the schools easy. I first name basis with every administrator. You know, they wanted me at the schools. Right. I was, it was in parades. I was judging science fairs. I was writing newspaper articles because I am so right side of the brain that being somewhere that allowed me to to use all my gifts and all my attentions, all my crazy whims yeah. was valuable to me. And Russellville, Crittenden Drive was also a very laid-back congregation, very patient with a, you know, it was not, you said I didn't make much money. Well, that was obvious. I was a single guy coming out at a time where they didn't pay youth ministers very well. I never got into youth ministry for money. None of us do. But just being there, you know, I was straight out of college going to this small town being single. That was crazy, too. And then being single there for, you know, seven years. I think the good reason I stayed was because of those relationships I had and because I I felt like we were really making a difference in that community. You know, we through our through our activities, I mean our church camp became the church camp non-denominational. I mean the the Baptist kids, the Presbyterian kids, the Methodist kids were coming to our church camp. We were having, you know, well over 100 campers every time and 
it, we were making a difference in that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we, we spun the youth group as the safe place. The Crittenden Drive youth group became the place where there was no dogma, there was no denominationalism. It was all about uh, relationship and loving Christ, and, and, and it was the safe place. When and, you're here, you're loved. Right, and that's, kinda, that's why, we, why I stayed there is I just I loved that community and loved the people there. And probably would still be there today if, you know, barring circumstances that happened, you know, right, just, right. I would I'd still be there. Um, Not long before you left there, I think I got the math right here, your youngest son was born and he's eight, seven? He's six. six. He will be seven soon. So tell us, his name is Brewer. Correct. Tell us about Brewer. Well, Brewer... Uh, has Down syndrome, and we did not know he was going to be born with Down syndrome, uh, and that was quite a shock. A long story, but and you and your wife had been married how long at the time? Oh, I'm terrible at math. I guess eight years. So eight years. You got two kids, and, right. and you have a third, and and you didn't know till the day he was born, or I guess a couple of days after. Yeah, it was. We were not sure until three or four days later. Okay. In fact, our doctor, the the surgeon that delivered Brewer, actually had a son with Down syndrome. And he told us immediately. He said, your son has Down syndrome. Uh, But Brewer didn't look like he had Down syndrome. Uh, Our doctor, our personal physician, said he did not. And she was pretty adamant that he did not have Down syndrome. And so we spent about three days praying and and really upset. Can can I ask you what you were praying? We were praying that he did not have Down syndrome. Because we we, we didn't know. And we had this vision of a child. We had named him Brewer Nolan Lloyd. Brewer being my favorite baseball team. Nolan being my favorite baseball player. We kind of had this vision for him. And we were... You know, we were really upset. We were mourning the death of that image yeah. that we were going through, and so that was very trying for us. But uh, if we know, if we knew then what we know now, we'd be celebrating. I mean, it was just yeah. we we that is a prayer that that we regret praying. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's why, Todd. I hope it's okay that I asked the question. This doesn't come up. We're friends, but right. this doesn't come up in conversation a lot. You know, what were you praying during the hours where you had one doctor saying this and another doctor saying right. that? And and I can sit and imagine and and maybe assume, but you know what? I've I've been watching Brewer grow, and and I've heard you talk obviously multiple times about the impact that he's had on your life, oh, yeah. on your marriage, on your home, on your church, on your community. So so you just said that's a prayer that you regret. Um, yeah, to, you you get the news that he is a a baby with Down syndrome. Correct. And then, how many months later before you started to see blessings? Oh, it was immediately. I mean, as soon as we got him home, I mean, it was it was because it ignited a passion for. I had had two kids in, with Down syndrome in my Down syndrome in my youth group in Kentucky, uh-huh. and. And that's abnormal, I think. I mean, two kids in a small town like like that, within a, the yeah, same you know so. six year period, and so I felt like I knew how to to deal with kids with with special needs, mm-hmm. and it, immediately we it, it ignited a passion in both Amanda and I. Um, it, it is, I think, people who know Amanda and I know that we had had a rough stretch there for a while in our marriage, which is one of the reasons we ended up leaving. Um, Logan County Brewer was one of the many things that brought Amanda and I's relationship totally yeah. full circle and it really circled the wagons 
us against the world mentality kind of thing. And Brewer was a blessing on that front. He's a blessing that made me understand and have a passion for special needs kids. It's ignited Amanda. I mean, Amanda is a service beast machine yeah. now. She, I mean, she tirelessly works for special needs charities. Yeah, you guys have helped to start. I guess you helped to start Best Buddies in Nashville? Yeah, uh, well, in Tennessee. In Amanda, Tennessee? Amanda did. I mean, she... she is very prolific with them. Was volunteer of the and year. And Best Buddies is an organization that that partners right. it is special the, needs uh, Down syndrome only or others. No autism. It pretty much most special needs with a big brother or big sister. Correct. To to just partner with them through life. Right. And they and it's the largest special needs charity in the world. And but Tennessee, most southern states did not have that. And yeah. so we wanted Brewer to have. Somebody who was his friend that was not his family. And that's very rare with kids with Down syndrome. I even watched it in my youth ministry. The kids were very kind to my kids with Down syndrome, but they didn't call them on the weekends and ask yeah. them to go to the movies. Yeah. So that's, that's what we really wanted. It's just we, we want those kids with Down syndrome, autism, et cetera, to have somebody that calls them and says, hey, let's go eat pizza. And the kids like that just don't get that opportunity. Yeah. So, so, he's, so Brewer's been a 100% blessing. He has. And looking back on what he's done, I mean, you know, it's impossible to measure the impact when you consider the, the change that it affected in you two and now beyond as you guys have worked for Best Buddies. I know you guys r- raise money every year. You run time. marathons every year to raise money for Best Buddies and, and other organizations. Um, you're on the board of Best Buddies right now? In just, I'm or? just rolling on, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you guys just ran three races three yeah, days four. in a row or four? four? Four. Yeah. We raised a lot of money. So, so how good. do you do this? And if there's somebody listening that's thinking, well, I'll, I'd love to raise some money, how do they do that? Well, they just call and find the charity they want to raise money for and ask them if they can raise money for them. I mean, there are certain races that have certain charities that sponsor them. But, but Best Buddies will sponsor you. All you have to do is you raise four times the amount of what it costs you to get uh, your whatever you need to get into the race. You raise four times yeah, that yeah. amount, and then that charity gets that money. Okay. So it's, it's a good deal for the charity. Um, and in 2012, no, yeah, 2012, you were a national nominee. Well, for it was a, we did a fundraising contest called Champion of the Year, which basically means you raise as much money for the charity as you and can. And I know you went you went crazy raising money yeah. for Best Buddies here we in won, Tennessee. We actually won. And, and you won. And we went, we uh, got to go to Boston, and uh, and it was pretty neat. That's cool. So, Well, those of us that know your family, Treasure, you know, Brewer, for, for and, and, and all of you, you know, just I think because of the spirit of God that we see in all of you. Um, I know when you came and spoke for our youth group, you weren't able to bring Brewer with you, but you had right. some pictures and you showed and, um, and our, and it, and just the heart that you have, not just for your son, but for, for children everywhere, um, who, who may be dealing with a difficult situation really blessed our teens. Well, I, I've always had a small uh, soft spot for the for the for the person that gets picked on, I mean, I've always been the underdog fan. I, I, being a you know growing up a fat kid, I feel like that was a blessing to my youth ministry because I was able to to understand the plight of the kid that's not cool. I think a lot of youth ministers feel I mean have that same niche because anyways that's a long story, 
But I, I, I think just being the fat kid and being able to understand kids in your youth group who are just not going to be the celebrity, not yeah. going to be the most popular, unless you give them the attention and, and you you make them the celebrity. Yeah. And, and and so that's one of the biggest things about my youth ministry is is just trying to make everybody feel like they are you know norm walking into cheers they're they're the guy they're this is the place that you are a superstar and so you come here and you are every everything's about you here and so that's what we try to do you know and that i think that's why you know people are attracted to disney world you know because you go to disney world and it's about you and they want to make your dream come true well what if every youth minister said, I want to make every one of these 7th through 12th graders feel like their dreams were going to come true within this youth group, yeah. that they were going to be loved unconditionally by everyone here. And so that's that's mission number one. Yeah. Obviously, we don't always accomplish that. But but that's what I want. If, if you know, when Brock, in two years, Brock will be in the youth group. And Brock's and, your oldest. Right. And if I, if I could handpick his youth minister, I'm choosing the guy... I'm not choosing the guy that speaks everywhere. I'm not choosing the guy who does the, who's the best organizationally. In fact, I don't want that guy. No, I'm just kidding. I, I want the guy that, that, that loves Brock and is going to place people in his life who love him. Yeah. And so, and I would hope that most youth ministers felt the same way. So. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I think probably you don't make it a long time in youth ministry. I, I don't think you stay in youth ministry 19 years without either having it in your nature to love every student regardless and fight for those students to help them feel that sense of love or learning how to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I think some of us don't come prepackaged with that ability to see every kid the same. I, I, I think some of us do struggle at first to want the cool kids to find us cool too, but you can't stay that way and right. be in youth ministry long term like I, you've done. I think the hardest thing is to love the kids that don't love you. I mean, I think that's a natural uh, – teenagers that don't like you are – it's hard to make that call and have them tell you that they're not interested in the retreat for the 50th time. I mean, it's yeah. hard to – but they're just as important. Well, Todd, thank you for joining us. There's a lot of other things I wanted to ask you, but we're out of time, um, and and I love you. I, I really appreciate the time that you've given us today, and, and my prayer is that uh, you will continue to minister where you are, um, that you'll continue blessing the teens there. Please give your family hugs for us. Um, and Todd, any parting parting words for our listening audience? No, thanks. All right, <laughs> there it is, straight from Todd Lloyd. Next up uh, on the, the the digital side hug, I don't know. Do you know who's going to be? Uh, no, I don't either. I can't wait to find out together. The digital side hug.